Welcome to Hanchuk Targets History. I'm your host, Tim Hanchuk. Thanks for joining me this episode. You know, I've been teaching high school history for way too many years, and I love talking about this stuff. So let me share with you some interesting, unique, and little-known historical events. I know you'll be entertained, and if you're not careful, you just might learn something too. So, let's lock and load and take a shot at that target of history and see what we can hit. Let's take a walk down range and see what the target shows us. Well, looks like today we hit on a little known group from World War II. Today, we'll be talking about the Soviet Union's 588th Night Bomber Regiment, an all-female combat group, perhaps better known by its nickname, the Night Witches. How did a group of Soviet women end up flying combat missions? That's what we're about to find out. To understand how women, whom the Soviets had banned from combat, came to be fighting in battles, we need to look at the situation in the Soviet Union in 1941. In June of that year, Hitler launched Operation Barbarossa, the massive German invasion into the Soviet Union. The Soviets were not ready to face this onslaught. Remember, Stalin had purged his officer corps in the 1930s, leaving the country with many inexperienced officers in command of many newly created army units. Perhaps as many as 75% of all Soviet officers had held their position for less than a year when Barbarossa began. By that fall, the Germans were knocking on the door of Moscow, and Leningrad was under siege. The Red Army was struggling, and the overall situation was becoming more and more desperate each day. It was during this desperate time that Stalin received a letter from Major Marina Raskova. Raskova was kind of a celebrity in the Soviet Union, being known as the Russian Amelia Earhart. She had become the first female navigator in the Soviet Air Force and held numerous long-distance flying records. As the German invasion progressed, she received many letters from women across the country who wanted to do more for the war effort than serve in support roles. Many of the women had lost brothers or boyfriends or had seen their homes invaded and ravaged by the Germans. They wanted to be pilots and gunners and fly combat missions. So in her letter to Stalin, Raskova asked permission to form an all-female fighting squadron. Her rank and government connections ensured the letter reached Stalin quickly. On October 8, 1941, Stalin gave orders for Raskova to establish three all-female Air Force units. These units would fly missions, drop bombs, and return fire, making the Soviet Union the first country to officially allow women to fight in combat. Raskova immediately began to form the 588th Night Bomber Regiment, and it would be led by Major Yevdokia Bershanskaya. Over 2,000 women volunteered, and Reskova selected about 400 to fill the unit. Most of the women were in their late teens or early 20s, and many had been students right up until the beginning of the invasion. Those who were selected were sent to Engels, a small town north of Stalingrad. There, at the Angles Military Aviation School, they were to receive their training. What normally would have taken a student pilot several years to learn 
was compressed into a matter of months. Each recruit not only learned to be a pilot, but also learned navigation and aircraft maintenance. On top of the difficult classes, the women also had to face the skepticism of their male counterparts, who saw them as inferior and treated them with very little respect. Raskova had tried to prepare her women for these attitudes, but they still had to face sexual harassment, a lack of cooperation, and grueling conditions. To make matters even more challenging, the military was completely unprepared for women pilots. Hence, their uniforms were hand-me-downs from male soldiers. The women had to alter them as best they could to get them to fit. The boots they were issued proved to be an even bigger problem. You can't take in a boot like you can a shirt. The women had to resort to stuffing the toes with paper or rags just to get them to sort a kind of fit. As for their equipment, that left even more to be desired. The planes they'd be flying were the same ones they trained on. The Polikopov U-2 biplane, commonly referred to as the PO-2. It was originally built in 1928 as a trainer and never intended to be used in combat. But with the war, it was pressed into service. It was a light, two-seater, open cockpit plane made from a wood frame covered with canvas. Think of like a World War I plane. That's what we're talking about here. The open cockpit design meant that the pilot and navigator had zero protection from the elements, which meant freezing temperatures, wind, and the possibility of frostbite in the harsh Russian winters. Even though many called it a coffin with wings, it was the most produced wood frame biplane in aviation history, with somewhere between 30 and 40,000 being produced over the years. Due to a small 125 horsepower engine, the planes were limited in what they could carry. Remember, they were designed to train learning pilots. On top of this, let's remember that these were desperate times with war materials in short supply. Because of that, the women pilots lacked many of the luxury items that were standard issue for their male counterparts. Things like radios, radar, and guns. Some versions of the PO2 did have a mounted machine gun, but these had been removed from the planes the 588th would use. Pilots were not even issued parachutes until 1944. Instead of all this, the women were expected to make do with the most rudimentary navigational tools. Basically, a map, ruler, compass, and stopwatch, along with a pencil and flashlight by which to see the map. Wow, this sounds absolutely crazy. Sending these hastily trained women into combat flying such flimsy wooden and canvas crates. Well, the PO2 did have some hidden advantages. First off, its maximum airspeed was 94 miles an hour. This max speed was far slower than the stall speed of any German fighters that might be sent to try to shoot them down. This meant that the German ME-109 or FW-190 could only shoot at them while passing by at speed. They moved too slow for the German planes to actually get on their tail and follow them. This slow speed also made the PO-2 highly maneuverable and allowed takeoffs and landings in rather small clearings. And oh yeah, 
being so small, slow, and made of wood also meant that these planes were virtually invisible to German radar. The PO2 was limited to only being able to carry a maximum of 350 kilograms of bombs. That's about 770 pounds, which were slung under the wings. The weight of the bombs necessitated that the planes fly at low altitudes, making night raids the only real viable option. This also meant that to do any significant damage to the Germans in a particular raid, crews would be sent to attack a target, then they'd have to fly back to reload with more bombs to attack again. This might be repeated anywhere from 8 to 18 times in a night by each plane. That's crazy! The planes, each with their two-person crew of pilot and navigator, would be sent out in groups of up to 40 to make an attack. The first planes in would drop flares to illuminate the target. With this done, the rest of the planes would idle their engines and glide in to release their bombs. On May 23, 1942, the 588th was deployed to the Southern Front and became part of the 218th Division of the 4th Air Army. Later in the war, the 588th would be honored with the Guards designation, becoming known as the 46th Guards Night Bomber Regiment. And then later on, they'd be called the 46th Tommen Guards. But you know what, I'm just going to keep referring to them as the 588th, just to keep things simple. They arrived at the front on May 27th and flew their first mission during the night of June 12th. They bombed bridges and river crossings on the Mias, Severny Donetsk, and Don Rivers, as well as roads in the Stavropol suburbs. The mission was a resounding success, the first of many, and as their success grew, so did their reputation with the enemy. For German soldiers under attack from the 588th, all they could hear was the wind over the wings as the planes glided in. To the Germans, they likened this gliding sound to that of a sweeping broomstick. It became an ominous sound and signaled a stealth attack by planes that could hardly be seen, let alone shot down. This started to freak out the Germans. Some Germans actually believed that these women had been given secret medical injections to let them see in the dark. Others thought these women pilots seemed almost supernatural and thus was born the nickname for the 588th, the Night Witches. They became so feared that any German pilot to shoot one down was awarded the Iron Cross. The Night Witches flew both harassment and precision bombing missions throughout the rest of the war, taking part in these engagements, the Battle of the Caucasus, Kuban and Tuman, the Crimean Offensive, the Belarus Offensive, the Poland Offensive, and the victorious drive into Germany itself. All told, the members of the 588th collectively accumulated over 28,000 flight hours and dropped 3,000 tons of bombs and 26,000 incendiary shells. They destroyed 17 bridges, 9 railways, 2 railway stations, 26 German warehouses, 12 fuel depots, 
hard 76 armored cars, and 86 artillery emplacements. On top of this, they also performed 155 supply drops of food and ammunition to Soviet troops. Throughout the war, 261 women served in the 588th. Of them, 32 died from various causes, including plane crashes, combat deaths, and a few from tuberculosis. Raskova, the unit's founder, herself perished in a plane crash on January 4, 1943, on her way to the front. By the way, she was given a state funeral in Moscow. The 588th ended up being the most highly decorated unit in the Soviet Air Force during the war, with 23 of its members being awarded the title of Hero of the Soviet Union. This was the highest title the Soviets gave to either soldiers or civilians for acts of heroism. Two members also received the Order of the Red Banner, and one got the Order of Suvorov. Despite all these accolades, the 588th wasn't included in the Moscow Victory Parade celebrating the end of the war. Why? Uh, it was decided that their planes were too slow for a formation flyover of Red Square. Six months after the war ended, the 588th was disbanded. Now, if you'll think back to the start of this episode, you'll recall that Stalin ordered Reskova to set up three all-female flying regiments. What happened to the other two? Well, two other regiments made up of all-women pilots were established and fought in World War II. But talking about them, well, that would be another story. And there you have it, kind listeners. Thank you for tuning in. You know, if you like this episode, please tell your friends and check out some of the other episodes. I look forward to talking with you again next week.